Welcome to episode four. My name is Anna. I'll be your elusive host and co-conspirator for this podcast. And real quick, right off the top, a quick thank you to the folks listening right now. I know maybe five or six of you personally, and I love you. Thank you for listening. And to all the strangers that are listening, I also love you. Not literally, because that would be weird, but maybe metaphysically in another dimension. Thank you for listening. That said, for the time being, I'm going to switch to a bi-weekly, bi-monthly schedule because this is cutting into my writing and painting life. And since I need that to function like a proper human meat monster, fitting this in on top of a nine to five job is a bit of a nightmare. So I'll include a schedule in the notes of each episode for each subsequent one. And this will kind of allow me to dive deeper into topics. Uh, episode five will come out on July 1st. And it'll be, I'm thinking about intuition, like what the hell is intuition and why is it so weird? But today, we're going to be tumbling out of bed, stumbling to the kitchen to pour ourselves a cup of ambition and try to come to life as we discuss work in nine to fives. Nice to be in orbit. It's the near future, and you're given the opportunity to have a delicate little device implanted into your head. This device would separate your work self and the part of you that exists outside your job. Would you sign up for this? This, of course, is the premise of the show Severance on Apple TV, which completely got me. I binged it in a weekend like a psychopath. Should I bring up Neuralink again? What if that becomes mandated? Anyway, there's already movement on behalf of, of employers investing in technology that allows them to monitor their employees' brainwaves to, quote, optimize performance. It's the basis for a project called Inner Eye, and Inner Eye is run by a dude named Yuri Anman, or Antman, I don't know, but he looks like every other dude in a dress shirt. And the mission statement for Inner Eye is the following. InterEye is driven to help organizations all over the world cross the AI applicability chasm, what the fuck is that, by fusing human intelligence with artificial intelligence. We believe that only through human mentoring, ment Jesus Christ, we believe that only through human mentoring of AI and empowering humans with AI insights can we finally get the full benefit of AI and supercharge complex decision-making for a better performing and more successful organization. Sweet baby Jesus. I find it really funny that everyone's scared of AI stealing jobs, even though like most employers right now already expect us to act like machines for eight straight hours. But add some electrodes in the brain that can bypass how your brain normally functions and boom. Your output becomes greater, bigger, badder, better for your employer. I feel like there's a parallel here to, you know, those parasites that animate an insect corpse so it can propagate. I feel like that's us. I feel like we're the ant. 
Most studies on human focus generally round out at around four to five hours a pop. And on top of that, a number of studies show that most brains can't effectively focus on more than one task at a time. So I think what's going to happen if employers want to monitor how efficient their employees are, it's just going to be like a mass firing around the world. You're going to get people on their best behavior for like two weeks, and then it's going to be fuck this shit o'clock. Unless you own a business that you love, most people just show up, do what, do whatever it is that they have to do, and then they go home, and that's it. Expecting people to care about your business the way that you do is kind of unrealistic. So if you're a small business owner or you're a corporate conglomerate, it makes more sense to me to make your employees happier for retention and overall contentedness, right? But back to severance. This got me thinking. Would I do that? Would you? Would you sever part of your psyche? One version essentially living out each day with no recollection of what happens before or after your shift at work. And the other hopefully living it up in the time spent outside of working hours. The more I think about this, the less steam it gains because the idea of trapping any part of myself at a job for all eternity seems inhumanely cruel. But I get the appeal from the personal life version of myself. How contented and at peace I'd be not to waste away at a desk, constantly adjusting the back support that I had to buy for my chair, hacking away at brain cells better suited for other things. Time, of course, being the most valuable thing we have. So, I split myself in two, much like I do when I'm checking in with myself. I'm back in the room that looks like a bead from a bird's eye view. Both versions of me walking down the long hallways on either end, just to meet in the middle. There's no doubt in my mind that the one getting doomed for all of nine to five eternity would pummel the other version of myself if it came down to a fist fight. There's no fiber of my being that wouldn't rally against it. There would be blood, my friend, enough to paint the walls. That got real dark. That got real dark real quick. Inflation. Steady rising costs of living, wages falling short, people are apparently filming 10-foot aliens in their backyard. I don't know what's going on, but everything just seems very absurd right now. We're on a rock. We're on a giant rock of dirt and water and a lot of other crap, and we're floating. We're rocketing through space right now. We're rocketing through space. Is that not the craziest shit you've ever fucking heard? Work reform. I think 40 hours a week is too many fucking hours for most jobs. And we all know it. Can't say that though, because we all got to eat. In the very least though, working from home a few days a week to save yourself some peace of mind from traffic, dragging out your eight hour day to a 10 hour day. It's mind boggling to me that people are resistant to these changes. And it usually comes in the form of older people. It also kind of sounds a little bit like brainwashing. Imagine working at the same place for 40 years. You don't really get anywhere. Maybe you get a 40 cent raise each year, if you're lucky. And you're living in a time span where the cost of living is reasonable. Then you retire, see a bunch of younger little assholes. Pissed that they're selling their life away and want to do something about it. In comes the flux of comments like, no one wants to work anymore. Our young people are lazy and entitled. 
Has anyone ever really wanted to work? Can you imagine, like, wanting to work in a coal mine? It seems silly, right? Work reform has always been a thing. The current standard of 9-to-5 jobs, the 40-hour work week, was the result of reform. Perhaps we're simply due. Or simply because most jobs kind of suck. Eight hours a day is a very long time to do something you would rather not be doing. Or you manage your time while at work, get done early, and then you pretend to work, clicking your mouse or keyboard every few minutes, or you hide in the bathroom for 32 minutes. We all do it. I don't do it because I'm a good employee. That's a lie. The pandemic only exacerbated this after millions of people were suddenly not working anymore. This spawned the new work from home standards that many people who are eyeball deep in the workforce are still pushing for, alleviating unnecessary commutes or distractions at the office. Meanwhile, higher ops with stock and office space want to make sure their investment is appreciating. So getting people stacked on top of each other at the office again is a priority. It's bullshit. This is just going to be one long rant for me. <laughs> Stay with me. Europe, Belgium, Iceland, and Japan, among others, however, had been leading the charge on work reform by testing out the 32-hour, four-day work week. Claims made are things like improved productivity and team culture, employees report less burnout and boosted life satisfaction, which led to less time off and more retention, and many companies are sticking with it after the trial run due to revenue increases and worker morale. Seems like a friggin' win to me. Do you think that'll ever happen in America? Probably not, right? Let's take a moment to look at the potential of universal basic income. Now, I've only read that UBI would be somewhere between like $1,200 to $2,000 a month, which for anyone alive and renting or paying a mortgage along with other bills is not really enough for sustainability. Add kids to the mix, people are still gonna have to work in some capacity or they're gonna live very poorly. And of course, there's gonna be people who, if given the chance not to go to a job anymore, they're gonna take it. However, most people don't really know what it's like not to have anything to occupy their mind or their body for that matter for the gap of time left from the absence of a job. That alone might drive people back into the worst, worse, into the worst force. Do you see where my head is at? I'm not gonna edit this out. That alone might drive people back into the workforce even if it's only part-time. I was scrolling on social media and found someone talking about England, test running universal basic income. And since I like to keep a finger on the pulse of the people, I checked out the comments section. And an overwhelming amount of comments were things like, I'd keep working, extra money would be great. I could save more. I could afford a house in a year children, vacations. I think this is far more likely. The premise of UBI is that it's indiscriminate in who gets it, and it's an amount of money that's given to everyone, enough to cover basic living expenses, and no more. I don't think the majority of people want to live paycheck to paycheck, and with AI running at full tilt, 
crashing through the back door and the front door and rappelling down from the ceiling, I think some sort of supplemental income might have to happen, right? We make it a habit in this country to tear each other down instead of building each other up and sticking together, and it's not lost on younger generations that they need to pay for things like bills or luxuries, but times have changed once again. Younger people are wildly aware of the detrimental effects of breaking your back or living a poorly lived life. Older generations making it to retirement or close to and have no idea what to do with themselves because they've spent their entire life for other people. It's far easier to rage against young people than it is to rage against the machine that you've been working for your entire life. And we all know what would happen if you died on your way to work on a Monday morning, you'd be replaced by the following Monday or your work would be shucked off on your coworkers. It's, an, it's the nature of a very hungry beast. Most people interviewed on their deathbed. Ooh, that sounds very dark. Let's rewind that. Most people interviewed at the end of the, there's really no, there's no good way to say this. Listen, people who are on the verge of complete oblivion, when they're interviewed, they never say things like, I wish I'd put more hours in at work, or I wish I'd worked harder for that promotion, even though the boss gave it to Jerry, because Jerry gave him season tickets for baseball season. It's always, I wish I'd spent more time with my family, or I wish I'd taken up woodworking, or taken that pottery class, or fucking pet my dog more, I don't know. We idolize hard work, when hard work usually just translates to longer hours or exhausting your body, most people don't get to spend time with themselves thinking about what that means for their future. Let's break this down. Your life revolves around your job. It dictates what time you wake up, what time you go to bed, what time you can make appointments in your personal life. We use them as excuses not to go to our kids' baseball games or plays or weddings or whatever. And attached to the eight-hour day is your commute, getting ready for work. And this is part of the reason why younger generations like a hybrid work style. You get some of these hours back. You get to catch up on cleaning, cooking, basic maintenance around the house, which frees up time to spend with loved ones or time to spend with yourself. Eight hours a day, five days a week is 40 hours. 40 hours per week for the month is 160 hours. 160 hours per month comes out to 1920 hours a year. Now, assuming you sleep a full eight hours, that leaves roughly the same amount of time outside your job. But as we discussed, you spend time getting ready for work, commuting to and from, what time you leave, when you have to go to bed, running errands, grocery shopping, cooking dinner, you're busy. Time dwindles and somehow it manages to get faster as we get older. Time is spry and swift, and if you don't stay on top of your shit, it gets too far out ahead of you, and you can never quite catch up. Work reform can help people catch up with themselves. What do you think you're going to regret on your deathbed? Is that too much? Maybe we should end this here. Thank you for listening. Again... Uh, switching to a bi-weekly, twice-a-month schedule. Next one will be on July 1st. I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
that's it. That's fucking it. That's it for episode four. This is it. Goodbye.